Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hi, I'm Scarlett Russell, Entertainment Editor at the Sunday Times Style, and welcome to Secrets of the Side Hustle, Series 3, Episode 9. In this podcast, I speak to a range of female entrepreneurs who turn their side hustle into a thriving business. You can get the latest episodes on the Times Radio app, as well as from wherever you normally indulge your podcast habits. And while you're there, we'd really appreciate it if you could give us a rating and share us with your friends, family and followers. If you're looking to diversify your reading list, discover new authors or simply just be inspired by a brand new work of fiction, then Heady Mix is for you. It's a subscription book box showcasing emerging writers from underrepresented groups. And my guest today is its founder, Justina Cruikshank. She's 42, from Manchester, but lives in Hackney with her boyfriend and studied politics at Glasgow University before going into PR, then journalism, then conference production. Justina launched Teddy Mix just a year ago, but it's already going strong with well over 100 subscribers and more on the way. She launched it alongside her day job as COO of The Brew, a company which finds co-working office spaces around London. Hedy Mix is still very much a side hustle as Justina juggles both jobs. I really wanted to hear how she does it. Hi, Justina. Hi, Scarlett. Thank you for having me. I love your accent. That's your Manchester oh. accent. It is, yes, yes. I'm a Mancunian. It's actually my 20th anniversary in London this year, so I've been here for 20 years. But I like my accent, so I've been making sure that I can keep it nice and strong. I'm a proud Mancunian, so it's not going anywhere. And I should say, our listeners obviously can't see, but you've got an amazing background on this Zoom call, (laughs) a gorgeous bookshelf, which is obviously very on brand, actually. Um, So why don't you explain to our listeners, in your own words, what Heady Mix Books is, what it does? Heady Mix is a subscription book box and what we do is we showcase underrepresented authors including women, ethnic groups, LGBTQI communities and people with disabilities. Each quarter we look at a theme and for example the current theme is called Earth. So Earth theme looks at climate change and its effects on Indigenous populations. The collection is uh, two books, so two novels, and then the anthology, which is the collection of short stories and essays. So you publish as well as yes. the subscription service. So yes. say if I wanted to log on, I would go on to headymix.co.uk. How much is it to sign up? So we actually start from £12. 
£12 is for the monthly mix. And the monthly mix is a novel each month. And uh, you also get a letter. So I write a letter in the collection and explain the, the purpose behind the book. So that's a £12 one. And then our actually most popular one is um, the £34.50, which is the two books plus the collection of short stories and essays. And that's £34.50 a quarter. What I try and do is take the reader on the journey that I went on when I was choosing the books. I see this as actually, it's probably a little bit selfish. It's all of this is about me and me and what I learned <laughs> from, from, the, from the books. So, but I also think that if I am having these questions about what can we do that would make make things better, would make the world more equal, that would make the world more inclusive, then perhaps other people are having those same thoughts. Yeah. So I take them on the journey and sometimes I'm surprised at what I found during my journey. For example, we did the Afrofuturism collection last year, which was about um, the way that Africans see the future. Um, it's often described as African sci-fi, but it's a bit more than that. It's about actually black people and Africans being able to have a future that they are controlling. It's their destiny and it's nothing to do with the West. And it's not influenced by the West. And when I was creating it, that collection, I suddenly started to think that I was one of the problems because in creating it, I initially started looking at American and British authors and then I realised there was something not quite authentic about that because how can we do something that has Afro in the name that's about Africa but not include African writers? So I decided to only have African writers. So you pick the writers, you yes. select them all yourself. Yes. And is it a mix of kind of new writers and established writers, those people you might have heard of, and then, or is it all um, brand new discoveries? Usually, yeah, usually more emerging writers. Um, okay. So partly because they're the ones that need the... Um, Absolutely, yeah. A bit more publicity. So we usually go with emerging. How do you go about finding them? Uh, it takes a long time, actually. Uh, a lot of research through um, a variety of ways. Obviously, the internet is my friend on this. So um, a lot of internet searches, reading. Um, so reading books, reading essays. Mm. Um, talking to people so I I was going to say social media as well because I always found that there's such a community isn't there writers recommending other writers and then you find one you kind of go down this hole where someone's recommended that person do you do you yeah yes you get you do deal down the rabbit hole as I mentioned (laughs) how many subscribers do you have we are on the of the boy is just a year so we wasn't enough one person to juggle she is also heavily involved with the electoral reform society so the electoral reform society is um I'm on the board for that so I'm a board member so so you're just fingers and loads of pies Well, let's start with your your kind of, I guess, nine to five okay. full time job. So that's at the brew, and the brew is it's like a workspace um, for freelancers and creatives, and people go and rent office space in London. And what's your, tell me about your role there and what you do there? I've been there actually since the very start. So, um, well, not quite the very start, but about a year into it, because actually, um, for the founder, um, it was also a side project initially. I was working with my own projects at the time and I needed my own um, space to work and I 
had to get some more people involved in the project. So I was didn't want them to be coming to my flat. So I was looking for workspace. This was back in 2011. And the workspace seems very different in Shoreditch at that time. Uh, there wasn't very much around and most of it was pretty disgusting to be honest it wasn't very nice <laughs> you'd go in it'd be really dusty and dirty and so it took ages to find somewhere and then eventually I found um, the brew and I started working there with my project of team of people and when that project finished everyone stopped working and I thought actually it's a really nice environment I would like to stay working here and as I was working um, I got to know the community of people there and I started to think about what would be really nice to be able to have there as a community. I was thinking that it'd be really nice to have some events and um, maybe you know, some get togethers, Christmas party. And so I suggested this to the founder and um, basically he's like, yeah, well, I don't have time really to do that. And I was like, okay, well, I can organize these things. So I started to organize um, some events for the um, co-working space and Eventually, I just got more and more involved in the business. Over the years, my role has changed as we've grown as a business. And now I've got the grand title of a chief operations officer. Lovely. So glam. <laughs> and um, so now I look after the operations team and also the members' experience. So making sure that things work for the members. Let's talk about how you actually went about setting up your side hustle so you, you've come up with the idea um and I read that you came up with the idea when you were in Nigeria mm. what is the first thing you do to um get the business off the ground the really difficult thing at the beginning is to work out what your focus is because you can have so many ideas you can be almost overwhelmed with the number of ideas you have mm. and it's sifting through those and what's going to make sense for the business and what is going to be something that might be a nice thing to do, but not necessarily the right thing at the beginning. When I came back from Nigeria and started to think about this idea, I actually had quite a few different ideas about what I wanted, wanted to do. I didn't initially have this idea of Heady Mix. I didn't even have Heady Mix name. I didn't have the subscription book box. All I knew was that I wanted to share, somehow share, information about underrepresented people mm -hmm. the way I decided to do that was through lots of research so it's really important to understand what is out there so looking at what currently what ways are sharing information who um, is sharing information how they're sharing it then you start to get build a picture so from my point of view it was looking at different ways in which I could share information I realized that I wanted to do books so what could I do could I be a publisher should I be writing books should I be doing the subscription book box? And actually what I decided was one of the reasons I went with the subscription model and the, and the book box model is because there are plenty of books written by underrepresented groups. I don't necessarily need to be writing more. There are plenty out there that just need to be pushed into the public domain. What did you do next in order to get it off the ground after your research? You need to know what you're audiences so it's really important okay. to understand your target audience oh and who's yours that's great advice people like me actually. yeah <laughs> it's I want you know what I always think that's a really good basis for starting a business because it's like if you want it you're going to yeah. know what you want you've already done your focus group in a way you have but you have to make sure that you are not just looking at yourself only 
So where could you go to learn about your potential audience? Justina's got you covered. With, for example, with the social media advertising, there, there's quite a lot of um, segmentation that you can do to find audiences. So you can find audiences that look like different pages. So for example, if you're on Facebook, you can go into Facebook advertising um, and go, I would like to have a audience that looks like a certain page. So let's say it was the Sunday Times Facebook page. You could build an audience of people that looks like the Sunday Times Facebook page. Um, oh, sorry, just that's really interesting. I've not heard about that before. Um, okay. Sorry to interrupt. But how, how do you go about doing that? When you're going into the advertising platform of Facebook, you can go into the, pl- into the back end of the advertising platform and you can find the section where it says, what audience do you want to build for an, for an advertising campaign? You don't have to do the advertising campaign. It's just so you can start to see how big your audience is. It doesn't mean that this is the only audience you have, but it gives you an indication as to whether or not there's a good audience out there for you. So then you can select um, particular pages that are similar, that you think are similar to the type of audience that you might want. So for example, if I thought that my audience was going to be similar to people who like the Sunday Times page, then I would say, give me an audience of people that are similar to the Sunday Times page. It's called a lookalike audience. So then that lookalike audience, it will come up with a number and say, on Facebook, there are 20,000 people that look like this audience. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, this is all really, really interesting. So you're finding that kind of really specific audience and marketing to them. How do you then, once you've found your audience, market them specifically um, other than through Facebook? I mean, you can put ads on Facebook then. You can buy advertising space on Facebook. You can. And that's actually what we did. Um, it, I think it really what you have to do for your particular business depends on the business that you have. So, for example... With Heavy Mix, I did a lot of research as to what works well for um, subscription box businesses and Facebook advertising was a good way of doing it. Um, But for other businesses, it might be other channels. It might be more to do partnerships. It might be Instagram. It might be Twitter. It might be a completely different platform altogether. It's good to look at what other people are doing, but equally it's important to see what works for what you're doing as well. Uh, the way that we did it was that uh, we actually had a six-week run in which we had a competition. We had a landing page and we used Facebook to drive traffic to the competition landing page and people signed up to the competition. And then after they signed up to the competition, we uh, marketed them through emails that they received for the six-week period to get them all excited about the launch date. It was over 4,000 people entered, which was amazing. Wow. Um, Are you surprised by that? That seems like a, a lot for a small startup, essentially. I was surprised. I was very happy. And it was, it was a really nice start. Justina had been meticulous with the research she put in. But as with most startups, launch day didn't exactly go off without a hitch. So the 1st of August came around far too quickly and then it was a quite a disaster day actually. It was, it was, it was just a bit of a nightmare. Everything went wrong on the day. Um, we had 
<clears throat> built up a really a lot of excitement. I told all these people that we're launching on the 1st of August and that they would get the link on the day to be able to purchase the um, product. So on the day I had the, the mailing um, platform I'd been using, I've used for years. I think I've been using it for 10 years. Never had any problems with it. It's never gone down. <laughs> no, so on that day, 1st of August, the email server went down and we couldn't communicate with these people. But when it was very obvious it wasn't going to happen that day, I had someone helping me on social media um, uh, who's still helping me, actually. She's fantastic. So I was talking to her and said, okay, we'll just put something out on social media. Because actually what was really nice is that some people emailed and said, oh, have I missed, have I missed this, the launch? Have you launched yet? And that was really nice that people were saying that. So I was thinking, okay, great. People are interested. So um, we just communicated to everybody. Really sorry. We've had some technical problems. <laughs> um, and then we had confirmation later on that day, uh, around 5 p.m., that everything was fine on the email front and that I should be able to start sending emails again. Things don't always go to plan. Yeah. As much as you try to make them go to plan, it just doesn't happen that way. One of the best pieces of advice I had when I was in the first job, I was in the first PR job, was is someone going to die? Is someone, are, you on the, are you a brain surgeon? Are you on the operating table? Uh, no. <laughs> if you have a, a very sort of scary PR director shouting at you, are you on the operating table? Are you a surgeon? No, I'm not. I'm not. Okay, so why are you getting so stressed out about it? I'm curious about the inner workings of Justina's side hustle, how she finds her authors, how she pays them, how she navigates the complicated world of publishing as such a new and small player. So if it's a novel, we buy the books at the bookseller would. Uh, when it comes to the anthology of collection of short stories and essays, we pay a fee to the rights holder. So the rights holder isn't always the author, sometimes it's the publisher. It sounds like a bit of a minefield. I guess that's part of what you have to figure out when you're doing the research initially. Is that quite, was it quite easy for you to figure all that out or was that maybe one of the challenges? It was completely new. I've never worked in publishing, so I have no, I've no background in rights, um, licensing or any of these things I had to learn. And also some of it was just me deciding to, this is what I need. So let's see if they will accept this or not. I have gone my own way in a lot of it. So, uh, there are probably set rules and it's very clear that sometimes we hit that wall with a particular publisher. We say, we need this. And the publisher say, looks, it probably looks at the email things. What are they on? <laughs> okay. I was going to um, say, you must have run into trouble. Or, I mean, it sounds like it's such an amazing initiative, but has anyone given you trouble? Any of the publishers been like, no, we no. don't want to be involved? It's usually when it comes to money in the end, um, because we have, if we're featuring 12 uh, writers in our collection of short stories and essays, we have a, a finite budget to be able to pay for those 12 writers. And so, if all the publishers come outside that budget, we can't work with it. So um, we sometimes can do negotiations. It, it really depends. So when you um, have your authors on board, do they get a cut of the fee or is, is it more that they don't because you, you're promoting them and you're getting more um, eyes in front of their books? 
yeah, we do pay. It's really important to reward people for their work and um, as much as possible. There's a big problem with payment in, in that way, in that what you just said in terms of with people being promoted, that that's often used as a way of not paying people. And the people who get damaged by that are the people who are emerging writers, who are underrepresented, who are from minority groups. And so if you're from these groups already and you aren't getting the, um, you're not getting sales or the bookshelf space that you deserve to get, then you get further marginalized when people say, oh, we, you can be promoted, so therefore we don't pay you. So it's really important for them to be compensated. We're still a small company. We don't have huge budgets, but we always do give a fee and uh, it's up to the author to accept it or not. And the money for that presumably comes from the subscribers. Um, okay. Do you profit yourself? At the moment, um, not in profit because of been doing a lot of investment into the business so not in profit currently that's a decision I've made partly because some of that investment is to help me run the business because I have a full-time job and so I made the decision to get help on quite a few areas where uh, in another circumstance I might do those things myself I think when you're doing a side hustle you have a limited amount of time you have to manage and you need to be smart with your time so you've been pulled in lots of different directions and so you need to work out what what's the best use of your own time um, and so for me I looked at what things am I good at and what things do I enjoy and want to do as part of the side hustle so things that I'm good at um, I retain and things that I'm not good at I've looked at and said well there's no point in me spending time in this when I'm also juggling lots of things I've got a full-time job why should I spend time on things that I'm not as good at so I work with a really fantastic group of freelancers it doesn't, it doesn't feel like they're freelancers it doesn't feel like they're people who are not working in the business on a full-time level because they're really dedicated to the, the business it's not always possible to, to, to do that when you start a business it's sometimes you you have to do everything yourself and I've been in that situation before with other projects I've done where I've done a lot of work myself where you can you should try and work out what the best use of your time is and get help on things that you're not as good at how would you like to look five years younger in a clinical study people that had volume added with juvederm voluma xc in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment look younger feel like you add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with juvederm voluma xc Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science, with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. 
Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. So I'm kind of interested in your working week. Like, how do you divide your time between heady mixed books, your job at the brew. I mean, you're part of the Electoral Reform Society as well. Like, how do you find the time for all of this? How do you structure your working week? How do you make sure you've got time for, you mentioned your partner as well. How do you make time for your romantic life, your personal life? It's been a bit different over this last few months with lockdown in terms of how I've been managing my time because I've been working from home a lot. So everything's merged into one really it's not as clear cut as before but I try and make everything separate so I do a little maybe an hour and a half in the morning before I start my full-time job and full-time job is from 9 30 ish until 7 ish 7 30 sometimes and then I might do a couple of hours in the evening as well on heady mix but try not to do every evening with my partner we do have like we do a date night um, to make sure that we have that day in our week to make sure that we have one day where we both have time together. We also work together, actually, me and my partner. So, um, so Really? Yeah, How does so, that work? What do they do? So he founded the, he founded the co-working space, so business. So he founded the business and we met to do work. Justina is committed to bringing the voices of underrepresented authors to the forefront. I wanted to get her take on how the wider publishing industry is doing with representation, both as a small business owner, but also as a black woman who's passionate about the books she reads. I always welcome new things happening. I I think the challenge is whether it's just going to be a passing fad or whether it's going to be something that actually sticks and will continue people saying oh let's let's um, publish more let's publish black women this year and then after that there's nothing else um, yeah it has to be sustained and it has to be continued and I think one of the things that I thought was that actually I can be part of that and part of the sustainability of it by doing my own thing because then that way I can guarantee that something's going to continue to happen uh, and it's really important because books are books are a physical and historical legacy. They, you know, they shape the future. What what we understand now today, me and you, what we understand has been shaped by the books that came before us. And one of the things that I wanted to do with Heady Mix was to show that people are interested in buying and spending money on underrepresented groups because there's a lot of in publishing and in other parts of entertainment, such as um, in the films, there's talk of, well, people don't want to buy this 
people don't want to buy and it's such it. rubbish it's like it's women don't want to see films and it's like exactly mm. we sell out of all our of our collections we sell out of them because there are enough people there who are interested and want to spend money on it do you do you see yourself quitting your job and at some point in the future and working on um heady mix books full time that's the plan actually um my business plan that I set out last year um we're going in the right trajectory for that and that was the plan to to build it up as a business that would be able to be to grow and for me to be able to to run full time and to build a team and to 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 do a lot of really exciting things as well and I've got really exciting things plans for how um, the business will be developing over the next couple of years. Moving on now to our What She Said segment, where I ask my guests to answer one big career question. And my question for Justina is, how can I be productive with a million things going on? My advice is in three parts. Uh, The first is list. I love a list. Um, I use my notebook which I love. I have notebooks everywhere. My partner's always saying, why do you need everywhere? Yeah. Why? And then why do you, why are you buying more notebooks? I just need to have notebooks. But I also use an online platform to manage uh, my list as well, which I also work with, which you can work with other people on as well. So you can manage lists of your freelancers too and help you see what's going on and who's doing what and easily track it. So that helps um, with regards to, what's happening and what I'm doing the second part is prioritizing those lists and what I find to be really useful is to identify what is the most impactful thing that I want to achieve in that time period so if it's in that day what's the most impactful thing that would move my business forward today and then lastly this has been my mantra um, for the, the last two years and it's progress over perfection. So when you're doing lots of things and when you're really deeply involved in your business, whereby you are finding that you, you're so close to it, it's your baby and you're very precious about it, that you can spend a lot of time doing things. You can procrastinate and think that you need to spend lots of time to do every little thing. Actually, you don't. It's about moving things forward. So progress over perfection it's not about finding perfection trying to get that ultimate ideal but it's about looking at it and saying right this is everything that needs to be done to be able to achieve what I need to achieve let's move on each week my guest answers a question set by last week's podcast guest then they throw forward a question for next week's In the last episode, I spoke to Alice Pelton, founder of The Lowdown. She wanted to ask Justina. So for your business, what was the best day that you've had in 2020 so far? That was actually um, the first birthday of our launch. It was just really nice to reflect on all the good things that have happened over the last year and to be able to thank the team of people that I'm working with. Also that the members that have been with us the whole year I just find it incredible that we have so many members who signed up on that on that first day after the disaster of the launch day where everything was going wrong and they signed up and they've been members for throughout the whole year and they've received all our collections and um, it was such it's a great day to reflect on all of that 
to get to the year as well, because a lot of businesses don't get to a year. Lots of businesses don't get to two years, but it's really nice to be able to have that um, first year and to um, celebrate that. So I had a, a little bit of champagne on that day and just like, it's like oh, uh, fantastic. Yeah, took the moment to just say, actually, yay me. Yeah, quite right, quite right. Next week is the final episode of our series. So Justina, what is your throw forward question for our last guest? I would like to know what piece of advice from a woman do you follow regularly in the running of your business? My time with Justina is almost up. So as always, I want to finish my interview by asking her, what is the future of Hedimix? It's going to be about books being a, a bigger gateway to more knowledge, entertainment, and understanding of the, of the different groups um, that are marginalised and aren't getting the bookshelf space that they deserve. Thank you so much, Justine. That was really fantastic. Thanks Thank for having me. It's been great. Not chat. at all. Yeah. Thank you so much to Justina for sharing her side hustle story with me. I can't wait to see how it grows. You can find out more about Hedimix on its website, hedimix.co.uk, or on Instagram at hedimixbooks. Next week, can you believe it, it's our final episode of Series 3, and I'll be joined by Alex Stedman of The Frugality. Thanks for listening, and see you then. 